So this morning I have a message, and the title is In the Potter's Hands. In the Potter's Hands. Now, probably for most of you, that probably is familiar. You probably know what passage I'm even talking about. Some may not know, but by the time I finish, hopefully you will have understood what I mean here. So, in the potter's hands. Did you know that you are God's workmanship? That you are God's workmanship. You are His handiwork, and He has something very specific in mind. And I was just blown away this morning. I feel like that's what God was already demonstrating, that He was just putting us back in His hands and just working some things out in us. That's what worship does. It centers us. It focuses back on who He is, who we are in Him, and See, God is wanting something specific. He's not just wanting any outcome. He's not wanting just for happenstance, but he has an exact finished product that he has in mind. And if we allow him to do his work, it will be accomplished just as he desires. Just as he desires. See, we are involved. It's not without us. We are involved in the process. It takes our participation. And should we yield to him The Word says He will produce something good. Now, this morning, uh, I'm going to say a few Greek words, a few Hebrew words, just because I want you to to know the reason I'm doing it. I'm not just trying to do it to sound like I know everything, because I don't. But there are some Greek and Hebrew words that the Bible uses that the English translation doesn't always grasp the full meaning of it. So we could miss that. So if I say anything today that you don't know, you can ask me later. I'll explain it. I'll show you where it's at. There's also going to be a lot of Scripture quoted. I just felt like I was supposed to. Not all of it will we read together, but just have it in mind. It'll be up on the screen at some point, and I'll tell you. So I'm going to start out with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. And I'm reading from the contemporary English version because I want you to get what it means, just at its base level. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, it goes like this. In the past, you were dead because you sinned and fought against God. You followed the ways of this world and obeyed the devil. He rules the world, and his spirit has power over everyone who doesn't obey God. Verse 3. Once we were also ruled by the selfish desires of our bodies and minds. We had made God angry, and we were going to be punished like everyone else. But God was merciful. Amen? We were dead because of our sins, but God loved us so much He made us alive with Christ, and God's gift of undeserved grace is what saves you. God raised us from death to life. I believe that's what he's still doing. He's actively bringing us from death to life. We're always needing to be resurrected. He paid the price, but there are time to time that we need to be resurrected, right? Amen. He's bringing us from death to life with Christ Jesus, and he is giving us a place beside Christ in heaven. Verse 7. God did this so that in the future world, he could show how truly good and kind he is because of what Jesus Christ has done. You are saved by faith in God who treats us much better than we deserve. Can we get an amen? This is God's gift to you and nothing you have done on your own. It is something you have earned, so there is nothing you can brag about. Verse 10, God planned for us to do good things and to live as he has always wanted us to live. This is why he has sent Christ to make us what we are. I really don't need to preach anymore. The word in itself alone, it stands alone. But for the sake of my sermon, I'm going to continue. Because y'all need to hear me today. (laughs) 
So God is wanting to bring us continually from death to life. It's a process. He's working in us. He's actively participating in our lives. See, for all of you religious scholars who only can hear it the scriptural way, let me read the NASB version of verse 10. For we are his workmanship, there's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. I just want to quickly talk about where it says beforehand. I don't believe in predestination and the fact that he picks who he wants to get saved. I don't believe that. I believe we are predestined in Christ because the word says to all who will give their hearts, he will save them. So they're not predestined as in, oh, I choose you, I don't choose you. Now, God in his infinite wisdom, he knows who's going to accept him and who's not. But he's not going to violate your free will. So predestined just means he's predestined you to be saved. He's made the way. But you've got to accept the terms of the arrangement. Amen? So, verses uh, 1 through 10, you heard me say the words followed, ruled by, walked in them. See, all of these words carry a, a very, the same meaning. They all describe how we live and how we conduct our lives. See, it's all about the choices we make. Will I walk in accordance with what God has willed for me? Or will I choose to follow my flesh, my desires, my way, my passions? See, am I going to do it my way? The question is, who's going to rule me? Who's going to rule me? Someone's going to rule you. You say, well, I'm not following the devil. Well, if you're not following God, there's only one option. Because this world is influenced by the enemy. Okay, It's corrupt in all of its ways. There is no one good outside of God. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. New creation. Well, I was already alive. How can I be alive again? Well, new creation just means new in freshness, new in quality, never having been like this before. So we're new creation. The old things, the past things, have passed away. Behold, new things have come. That new things means I'm transitioning from one state to another. I'm in transition. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not in my final destination, but I'm being transformed into something else. I'm transitioning from one state to another. See, both of these scriptures use the same Greek word, uh, where it says creation, and it's kitso. That's the root word. And what it means is to form, create, shape. And is always, anytime you see that word, it's connected to God being involved. Forming, shaping, creating. See, anytime that word is used, it's always pointing to the fact that God is involved. See, to me, it speaks of the relationship that he has with us. He's forming us. He's shaping us. I want you to look at Jeremiah 18, 1 through 4. Jeremiah 18, 1 through 4. God speaks to Jeremiah and he says this, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was. Making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay... I'm sorry, guys. Oh. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. I'm going to get through this. 
So he remade it into another vessel as it, oof, as it pleased the potter. Maybe I'll finish it. I don't know. Oof, okay. Okay, give me one second. Okay, it's not expected. Okay. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something on the wheel. Oh, Jesus. Guys, he's, ma- he's making something on the wheel. He's making us on the wheel. That's what he's doing. He's forming us. He's wanting to get us to the place where he, we, we are moldable, we are movable. Verse 4 says this, But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. The potter works the clay until it seems good to him. See, the Old Testament was primarily written in Hebrew. And the word for marred is shakoth. I'm probably destroying that. It means destroyed or corrupted. It's the same word for ruin where in Jeremiah 13, 7, it describes something that is profitable for nothing. See, clay was cheap, and when a vessel was marred or ruined, potters threw it out and started over. But not this clay and not this potter. Not this clay and not this potter. Jeremiah watched this potter work patiently on the same piece of clay until it became a vessel that seemed good to him. That seemed good to him. Paul said, we can be confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is a promise to you and I. He is confident, we are confident, that he who begun a good work in us will see it complete until the day of Jesus Christ. On the potter's will. We might feel marred, disfigured, flawed, cracked, but instead of discarding us, God says, no, 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 I can reshape that. I can remake that. I can get the cracks out. It's not marred to me. I can turn this into a vessel that is precious and valuable. See, this should give us hope that if we do something knowingly or unknowingly, if we mess up, If we just stay on the wheel, He will work it out. God says, that marred, messed up clay, with all of its cracks and its uneven edges, that clay, you, I will reshape into something good. Though the vessel was marred, He still chose it. He chose you. As marred and as messed up as you are, He still chose you. He didn't discard you. He said, no, 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 I will remake this into something good to me. The potter chose to reform the clay. To me, this just screams of the redemptive work that God desired to do in his people through Jesus. This is a foreshadowing of what was to come. Old Testament, highlighting what was to come in the New Testament. See, the message was, my people, they are broken. But this vessel, I can save. 
I can save. You can still be saved. I can work out the cracks. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what the enemy has done in you. I know I have lived a life where I was marred and cracked and out of shape and just felt distorted and ugly, but God has worked in my life, and he is still working it out if we stay on the potter's wheel. You've got to stay. That is the place where you are. Your position is on the potter's wheel. See, the Hebrew word for potter is yatsar. And over half of the times that it occurs in the Old Testament, it's translated as form, fashion, or make. For example, it's the word that God used when he spoke to Jeremiah. Before I formed, Yatsar, you in the womb, I knew you. He knows you. He knows you. He knows you. He knows your weakness. He knows where you need to be strengthened. He knows the places in us that need to be worked. So when the fire of life happens, it's called a kiln, you don't stress fracture. He's working in you. He's forming us. He's shaping us. God knows it. See, and just as God formed Jeremiah, he will form our lives. As the potter had the power over the clay, so God has power over our circumstances and our life. See, vessels have a purpose, and God fashions us to fulfill our purpose since we are what? His workmanship. Yatsar also means to squeeze into shape. Now, most of us don't like that part. We feel squeezed. We feel pinched. We feel hemmed in. We, we feel like God is crushing us. But my encouragement to you today, my exhortation to you today is don't get off the potter's wheel. He's working it out. He, that tension, that resistance, he's working it out. He's working out the kinks. He's working out the flaws. He's working out all the stuff that we've gotten into. Don't fight it. Just stay on the potter's wheel. See, in the middle of God fixing something, don't get distracted and distressed. Don't look at yourself. Look to him. He's working it out on your behalf. So the potter's hands were used to shape. He's shaping us. The potter's hands shaped the clay. And there are so many hands that God uses around us to shape us. Pastors, teachers, brothers, sisters, anyone you're accountable to. Those, our life is consumed of people who can shape us if we're willing to hear. There are so many times just being around Pastor Alina in the earlier days when I was, I was fresh to the church, and she would just talk, but she had no idea I was gleaning off every word that she said. I was just soaking it in. And even when she knew, now maybe half the time she knew what she was doing because she's kind of like that. She's sneaky like that. She'll drop in a few words and thinking like, well, I know what he's asking me, but let me say this. And so she'll just talk, and I'll, I'll pick up the words. See, God is, is reforming us and shaping us if we will allow him to be formed in us. See, unlike the clay on the wheel, which has no free will, we choose how we respond to the potter's touch. We choose how we respond to the potter's touch. See, if we're like the clay and we remain soft, pliable, yielding, then we can become better. That means we remain movable and teachable. 
God will make you into something good. Though this vessel was marred, the potter deemed it fit to be remolded. See, it doesn't matter what you've done. All it takes is allowing yourself to be put back on the potter's wheel. You aren't too broken. You haven't done too much. You aren't too damaged. You aren't beyond repair. All you have to do is allow yourself to be put back into the potter's wheel and let him mold you and shape you. Isaiah said this in chapter 64, 8. Isaiah 64, 8. But now, Lord, you are our father. No other God can be called father. Gosh, I love that song. Isaiah 64, but now, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are potter. And all of us are the work of your hand. You are God's handiwork. You are his workmanship, and he's proud of you. God's not angry at you. He just wants to work it for your good. Why do we fight him? It's, it's rhetorical, but Why? When God's wanting to move us in a certain direction, he's wanting to break, you know, heaviness off of us. He's wanting to break us out of a lie. And we like to resist that pattern. He's saying, if you'll just do it my way, this will work out so much better for you. You are his handiwork. Well, if I'm his handiwork, what's he shaping me into? Spoiler alert, it's Jesus. He's shaping us into Jesus. If you'll notice Ephesians 2.10 said this, created in Christ Jesus, formed, shaped in Jesus. That's what the goal is, to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. Paul said this in Galatians 4.19. My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Formed, fashioned, molded, shaped. See, we're told all throughout Scripture to imitate Christ so much that we hit the point where he is so formed in us that he just exudes on the outside of us. We become Christ-like, so saturated on the inside that really Jesus just seeps through us. That can be. That can be us. That's not some far-off, non-attainable goal. If we allow Christ to be formed in us, we can become in his likeness. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be Jesus. Don't go that far but you will definitely be like him. That's what we're called to. So we're going to have some uh, scripture up on the screen, and we're not going to read along. I'm going to read them. You're just going to listen, because this is going to talk about uh, the scriptures that are sort of associated with imitating Christ. 1 John 2.6 says this, The one who says that he remains in him ought himself also walk just as he walked. 1 Peter 2.21 says this, For you have been called for this purpose, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you would follow in his steps. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says this, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Last one's Romans 8.29 says this, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, remember predestined doesn't mean he's determining he just knows ahead of time. Amen? We got that? All right. He also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, I want to look at the word imitate. It's described in the Bible as probably the positive imitation that arises by admiring the pattern set by someone worthy of emulation. It's where we actually get the English word mime, to mime. We mimic 
Many years ago, I was at a, it's like a revival service, and the person who was preaching didn't speak English. So I can't remember what they were doing, doesn't really matter. The point is, they were preaching, they had an interpreter. The interpreter was there next to him. He starts ministering. The person delivering the message begins to get excited, and so then the interpreter gets excited. The minister begins to shout. He shouts. He went over. The interpreter followed over. He started matching his tone and his movement, and I got so irritated. I was like, why do you have to do that? Just stand at the pulpit. Let the man move, but you don't have to. Interpreter, you got this. Like, you, you, you don't have to move around. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, no, that is exactly how you are to mimic me. You are to watch me, see me, hear my tone, re- repeat my tone, my inflection, my whisper, my shout, my cry. You are to follow me, mimic me as I mimic him. See, that's how so close that when he moves, we move. When, he's, when he steps up, we step up. When he moves back, we move back. See, that is how we are to imitate Christ so much that when he moves, we move. And when he speaks, we speak. And we only speak what he is saying. Just like Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear him say. But we like to blabber on and on and on about how great we are because we're so theological and we've been to seminary and we've been to like all these degrees. You can burn those degrees. But just know the word of Christ. That is what's being formed and shaped in you. See, we got to stay close so we can relay the right message. Do the right things. That is the perfect representation of how we are to move with him. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, the one that I read, it says, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. See, Paul was saying, don't imitate me, but imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul was never pointing to himself. He was only saying, look at me as I look to him. But what's also interesting there is you, you, would, you really wouldn't notice this, but there's that little word, as I imitate Christ. You wouldn't think the word as means a whole lot, but it does. See, what's interesting is it means in the Greek kathos, and it means into the, according to the manner and degree. So what he's saying is, according to the manner and degree that I imitate Christ, don't imitate Paul where I might get it wrong. Start to notice where I'm imitating the right. See, what are you imitating to the world? What are you imitating to your brothers and sisters in this place? Are you imitating Christ or are you imitating yourself? See, and when you're on the other end of that and you're, you're, you're watching someone, what you have to be careful of is if they happen to get it wrong, don't emulate what they get wrong, but, but get right to the manner and degree which they are imitating Christ. If it's in the Word, you can match that. If it's not in the Word, don't match it. Pretty simple. I read this book many years ago, and it was describing what it looked like to imitate Christ. And what they sort of equaled it to was, you know how they, they call it method acting? Uh, when an actor studies the life uh, of someone they intend to portray like in a movie. See, they commit to learning everything about the character role. So they're able to mimic their mannerisms, their behaviors, See, the actor wants to reach the point where they begin to think, respond, and behave like the one they are going to portray. I've also, I've, I've read a, a few articles like when, when an actor does this so much that it takes them like weeks or months to snap out of the character. No, no one's asking you to pretend you're Christ. Okay, don't do that. I'm just saying, study him. Study his word. Study how he moves. Study his character. Study his nature. See, study him so that you know what he is doing. See, we are called to be imitators of Christ. But how can we imitate if we don't personally know? That's why there's the word 
who is Christ. He is the Word. And everything in Scripture reflects the nature of who He is. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So God does have a shape He desires for us. We are the clay. He is the potter. But the clay must choose to stay on the potter's will and be shaped. The clay must choose to stay on the potter's will and be shaped. Colossians 3.10 says this, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. Did you catch that? And have put on new self. You know, when I woke up this morning, I chose what I was going to wear today. The clothes didn't come to the bed, pull me out, and drape themselves on me. I went to the closet. I thought, what do I have time to put on? So I put, see, that's what this is saying. We have a choice to put on our new nature or to put on our flesh nature. See, we have a choice. We have a choice whether to stay on the potter's wheel or to get off the potter's wheel because we like it my way. We want to be, all the drama, please come to me. But what this is saying is we have a choice every day. What am I choosing to put on? Am I being renewed according to the image of God? Or am I just giving myself image? What am I choosing? See, that's why free will is so powerful. The choice is up to you. Close yourself in his image or close yourself in self-righteousness. I would advise you which one you should do. Pottery is made by combining naturally occurring raw materials, mostly clay, with water, so it's clay and water, and shaping it into a form. Now, water throughout Scripture was used to represent cleansing. Just in the, the Jewish culture, they would wash their hands. It represented uh, a cleansing. It, it, uh, it, it was a, a cleaning agent. See, water here illustrates that it softens the clay, allowing it to become moldable. It literally softens hardened earth. Hardened earth. That's us. We're dirt. We're clay. But if we allow the water of his word to wash over us, he will soften our hearts. Ephesians 5.26 says this, so that he might sanctify her, Oof. having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Romans 2.12 says this, and I'm about to wrap up, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, this age, this world outside of the church has a pattern, a form, a mold. There's a shape. See, it's always trying to work you into something. See, but we are told not to conform to the pattern of this world out there. Don't take the shape of the world. Don't take the shape of your circumstances. 
Don't take the shape of your failures. Don't take the shape of your disappointments. Don't take the shape of your, if you're going through depression. Don't take the shape of, I didn't get my healing. Don't take the shape of, it didn't work out for me that time. Don't take the shape of, well, that didn't happen. Don't take the shape of, well, that prophetic word hasn't come in, into play yet. Don't take the shape of, I, I was a loser growing up. Don't take the shape of, I, I was cast out of my house. At, you know, don't take the shape of whatever the world has put on you because the world has put stuff on you. But you choose what you clothe yourself in. There is an age. There is a pattern. There is a mold that being shaped into. But he is the counter to what the world is. He wants to mold us. He wants to shape us. He wants to form us. So we must resist the temptation. Let our circumstances form us or form our image of who God is. All of Romans 12.2, Ephesians 2.10 and Colossians 3.10, all have the word kitso in common, drawing back to the idea of us being formed as in clay on the potter's wheel. So we cry out today, Lord, we are the clay, and you are our potter. Amen? All right, you guys want to stand with me? We're just going to pray and dismiss. Father, we just we thank you, Lord, for moving today. God, we thank you for the freedom that you brought to us during worship. God, we thank you that praise fills our hearts. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are forming Christ in us. And we want to be the image of your Son. God, you paved the way. It is nothing we could have done. God, you have done the work, Lord. And that's why, God, you, when we try to do the work, you said, I've already paid the price. He has done the work. So now, Lord, we say we are your handiwork, God, and that we want to be formed. We want to be shaped. We want to be molded into the image that you have for us, and that is your Son, Jesus. And so, God, we just, we get back on the potter's wheel. God, we just surrender once again and we say, do your work, God. Work out all the kinks. Work out all the hard places. Work out the, the cracks and the mar. God, we thank you that in your hands, God, you will form us and shape us into a beautiful vessel worthy. Worthy, God. You say it will be good. So we bless you. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. We just thank you, Lord. Amen.